0: Welcome to Bible Idiots, the teaching platform for Pastor Chris Danielson. Today, he's going to take us to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 29. It's kind of a long chapter, but he's going to address through the life of David what it looks like when God says no. You've probably been there before. I hope you're encouraged. Here's Pastor Chris Danielson with his message, Then God Said No. David OFW. OFW stands for Obedience, Faith, and Worship. And it's all throughout the life of David, and we are up to sermon number eight today, message number eight. And the text for today is the entire chapter of 2 Samuel 7, but we're going to jump down to verse 8 to start our reading. The first seven verses have David very, very content and wanting to build the temple unto the Lord. And what Nathan, is, what Nathan says is absolutely for sure. This sounds like a great plan to me. Then the Lord shows up to correct Nathan, and then to have Nathan go correct David. And so I want to pick it up in verse 8, and I want you to watch and listen as God tells Nathan to pass along to David a big fat no. Using the NLT throughout today, FYI, this is going to be a long run, so... I want you to try to listen to it as a story. And I'd also like you to stand for the reading of God's word, those of you who can. All right, so David's already said he wants to build the temple. Nathan's already said it's a good idea. This is God appearing to to Nathan. Verse 8, now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's army has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. And I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past. And starting from the time I appointed judges to rule over my people Israel, I will give you rest from all your enemies. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings, for when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod, like any father would do, but my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul. Whom I remove from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. So Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord had said in this vision. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family, that you have brought me this far? And now, Sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. Do you deal with everyone this way, O Sovereign Lord? What more can I say to you? You know what your servant is really like, Sovereign Lord. Because of your promises and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known to your servant. How great you are, O Sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. We have never even heard of another God like you. What other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other nation, O God, have you redeemed from slavery to be your own people? You made a great name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt. You performed awesome miracles and drove out the nations and gods that stood in their way. You made Israel your very own people forever, and you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. Confirm it as a promise that will last forever. And may your name be honored forever so that everyone will say, the Lord of heaven's army is God over Israel. And may the house of your servant David continue before you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just are in awe of how you deal with your people and your servants, of which many of us in this room are. Let this be your words to your children now, in Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Thank you for indulging me again. I I struggle with this because you're taught in seminary to never do what I just did. You're never supposed to go that long on the text. Um, But I just wanted you to hear it. Because there's power in God's word that that mere human oration cannot uh, conjure up. Either God does the work or or it doesn't get done. And sometimes we just need to hear his words. But there is a lot more in verses 1 through 7, and there's even three more verses where David continues to praise God in the chapter. But for time's sake, I, I shortened it as much as I could, which still felt a little bit too long on one hand. But on the other hand, this is God talking to us. In this passage, it describes what could possibly be the best days of the life of David. He was the king of Israel now. His nation was united in that peace. David was enjoying a time of rest after all the problems that he'd been forced to endure. For David, these days are a time to meditate and really reflect on the blessings and the grace of God. As David meditated on the Lord and the law, a dream was born in his heart. He wanted to build God a permanent dwelling place. Since the time of the tabernacle had been built during the days of Moses. Now, you guys maybe not know that, but let me share with you. See, God's presence dwelt in what was known as the Holy of Holies, of that temporary building. David wanted to give the Lord a proper, permanent place to manifest his glorious presence. The only problem with this dream is that God said no. David's reaction to God's no is something we should all take to heart. See, there are people in this room and who are watching online have heard the Lord say no. You've heard him say it in your heart. Perhaps as a young person there was a desire to be a teacher or missionary of the gospel. Very noble thing. You told God you'd even do it. But it never worked out. What about the dream of another young person maybe to give their life in some other form of service and it didn't work out either? Perhaps your dream was to make a lot of money so that you could be a blessing to others and just be a a major impactor in the work of the Lord. But that dream never came to pass. It's as if God said, that is not what I have planned for your life. I want you to take a different path. There are others here who will hear him say no to your dreams in the future. So what do you do when God says no? I think David shows us what we're supposed to do when God looks at our dreams and says, nope, that's not the plan that I have for your life. So let's examine this chapter together today and consider the lessons that are taught here. And so I want this to go together, and there's notes. I, I listed the points so you all know what's coming. It's no secret. There's no magic reveal. It's in your bulletin. And the title of the message is, Then God Said No. I got all wound up. I got all excited. I thought this was a good idea. And then God says, no. So point number one is the desire David revealed. This is in three verses we did not read today in verses one through three. The desire David revealed. He, He tells us, it was a good desire. Look, David sat in his palace. He kind of felt guilty that he's now living in the lap of luxury when the presence of God lived inside a tent. David believed that God of such glory should have a housing befitting of his majesty. This is a good desire. David was even praised by the Lord for having this dream. It's in a different part of the Bible, but let's look at it. 2 Chronicles 6, 7 through 9. It says, Then Solomon said, My father David wanted to build this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord told him, You wanted to build the temple to honor my name? Your intention is good. But you are not the one to do it. One of your own sons will build the temple to honor me. Do you see that? Do you see his intention was good? Good intentions for the Lord. And yet he still says no. Many of us have the same righteous intention about our church, the Lord's house. I'm overwhelmed by how much work has been done to build this new stage. Does the sound and the lights look better today? Incredible servants of Jesus put in countless hours this week to make this happen. In the Lord's house and these grounds ought to look the best that they can. But there comes a limit where you don't want to go over. Think Crystal Cathedral. When many people come here, inside and outside, what they see reveals what we believe about the glory of God. And part of what we believe is that come as you are. Not everything has to be perfect, but what we have here, which I can testify, having been in town now 17 months, is that we always wanna put our fresh encounter, best foot forward for God's glory, including how we handle our commercial kitchen, how we handle our auditorium, all of it, our boilers, all of it. We're always trying to put our best foot forward, but this place is loaded with grace, where we don't have to have everything in its perfect spot, and, 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 no, and never have anything out of place because we're fresh encounter and we can roll a lot more comfortable. So welcome. I'm glad you're here. See, the Lord's house does not have to be adorned with gold and glitter. But this should testify to the passing world that the people who attend here believe that we serve a God who is worthy of the best we can give him. How you treat this place reveals some of the things we feel about the Lord. That is the truth regardless of how easygoing we become and it still remains a level of honor we desire in our facilities in order to esteem the king. Follow? Back to David. It was an unselfish desire from David as well. David is not asking for anything at this point. His desire is not to receive, but to give. He wants to give something back to the God who has given him everything. A lot of us here feel that same way. Isn't that the desire of the redeemed heart today? We could never possibly repay the Lord for all that he's done for us. And he has not asked us to. But there should be a desire within us to see him honored and glorified regardless of the cost. After all, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Most people immediately process that as your tithes and offerings. Not so. Yes, it does have that, but it has more meaning than that. It includes giving of your time. It includes putting yourself out there when you're when you're not comfortable. Maybe becoming a greeting when greeter at the church as a little act of service when that's really not your thing. You know, maybe ser- serving communion when when the comes time to pass out the whatever. Find a place to serve. And give cheerfully. Give cheerfully. We really want more volunteers to help us with everything we've got going on. Let this be a challenge to you that that can be part of your giving back to the Lord. See, when it starts with a godly desire, and you're trying to execute that godly desire, you're on the right path. It may wobble to the right or to the left. But that's where it has to start. It was a godly desire by David. He had no ulterior motives in wanting to build the Lord a house. His desire was to see the Lord glorified and honored. And he wanted God to be exalted. And he wanted the Lord to receive the glory and honor that he deserved. David possessed a very godly desire. Look, it's good to have a dream. It's good to have a dream. But we need to be certain that our dreams are from the Lord. Well, David had a good, gracious, godly dream. His dream was not from the Lord. He even encouraged, uh, was encouraged to follow the dream by the man of God that was put there named Nathan. You know, notice Nathan didn't even pray about it. It sounded good to him, and he thought of the dream of the Lord too. You know, Apparently David's dream had all the earmarks of a desire that would be easily interpreted as being impressed upon him by God. By the Lord, follow but it turns out this dream was not the creation in the will of the Lord, but it was out of David's own joyful heart of wanting to serve his Lord. And that's hard for us to get around, our, our heads around. See, God has dreams for us that he will put on our heart. And then we'll put dreams on our own heart, and sometimes God will say yes, sometimes he will say no. And I have found that if you test these dreams against the Holy Scripture, God will help you work it out. Thank God for a dream and a desire to serve the Lord. There's nothing wrong with having a dream. We simply need to be sure that our dreams are from the Lord and it's part of his plan for our life. So when our dreams are from the Lord, they will come to pass in every detail. Maybe not how we think it's supposed to go, but they'll come to pass in every detail as God's wanting this to happen. Look up Genesis 37, 5 through 11 sometime. Genesis 37, 5 through 11. Look at Joseph in the dreams. See, when our dreams are merely our own, they will likely come to nothing, kingdom-wise anyway. Can you be very successful in the appearance of the Lord and the appearance of fruit and the kingdom benefits nothing? Absolutely. We see it all the time in what I call the visible church. But kingdom-wise, nobody's really soundly saved. So, Even if you follow your heart, if it is merely your own dream, it will likely be nothing or will hurt you sometimes. And even sometimes, it's even worse when it looks like it's coming to pass, it looks like it's honoring God, and at the end of the day, it's not. Most of those dreams honor us. Honor us with what we want to do, with what we think God's calling us to do. So thank God for the desires that he places within our hearts. Those are awesome. The trick is is being discernment, is having discernment, being discerning. And that takes the Spirit. You have to have the Spirit of God to have that discernment. And if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not have the Spirit. If you have confessed Jesus with your mouth, you've accepted that he's Lord of your life, you've surrendered your life, the Spirit does now indwell you. And so the Bible then, in other places, tells us to test the spirits to see if they are from God. And when you test the spirits, what does that look like? Well, it lines up with Scripture every time. Sometimes? No, every time. Let's go on to verse two or point number two. The big fat no experienced. Anybody else in their family call it a big fat no or is that just a Danielson thing? No, Dad, come on. No, it's a big fat no. That's, I don't know. I was in mode when I wrote this this week. When Nathan returned home during the night, God spoke to him and told him to return to David and tell him that this was not of the Lord. God seemed to be saying in verses 5 through 7 of the chapter that David's dream to build the temple was not from the Lord. And it originated within his heart of David. And, and as I said, the motives were right, but the de- dream was from man, not God. God. Also, I think there's a lot more to the story here. I think David's heart is so much in the right place and Nathan was as well that God decides to set things straight with Nathan first, then to David because the desire was not out of line and felt so right on. Does that make sense? Because God had other plans and David and Nathan are thinking these very cool, very awesome, very just things God intervened to protect his own plan and not have David chasing his tail in a building endeavor that was not for him to accomplish. I love that. See, now look closely. When God says no to David, he does not just shatter David's dream and leave him with a broken heart. When God says no, he tempers his no with some very precious words that are designed to soothe the heart of David. See, It now, in those words, and through those words, let's get some help for our own times when God says no. Verses 8 through 11, the whole deal was made strong, made whole, made by God's gift and God's supply. Instead of allowing David to give to him, God turns the tables on him and gave to David instead. He reminds David of his great grace in taking him from leading sheep And God in his greats, took a nobody and made a somebody out of him. In verse 9, God tells David that he has made him a celebrity. Everyone knows who David is. David is reminded that he has been made a partaker in God's rest, God's peace, God's victory, and God's power. If you have that, it does not matter what else you have in life. Absolutely does not matter. I'll say it again. David was reminded, and I want you to be reminded, those of you who are saved today, that we are partakers of God's rest, of God's peace, of God's victory, and of God's power. That is a supplying God. That is a giving God. Verses 11, the second half of verse 11 through verse 15, the whole deal gets then strengthened by God's promises. David had a desire to build a house for the Lord, but God tells David that he, God, is going to build David a house. God, I want to build you a house. No, I'm going to build you one. <laughs> verse 11, that goes down. In verses 12 through 15, the terms of what is known in theology now, this, the, theology terms, 12 through 15 is now known as the Davidic covenant. And God lays out those promises. He promises David that he will have a son. The son will walk with the Lord and he will be treated as a son by God. He will be established in his kingdom and he will be chastened when necessary. He'll be disciplined when necessary. God tells David that this son will build a house for God. Surely these promises brought peace to the heart of King David. Again, he had a noble goal. And we all know it all worked out with Solomon, right? See, in verses 16 and 17 now of the chapter, the whole deal gets toughened up by God's plans. It gets strengthened by God's plans. God is saying, David, you want to build me a house, but I'm telling you that I'm going to build your house and I will establish your throne forever. What a promise. When Jesus rode in on the donkey, what did they yell? What's the Messiah term? Son of David. Son of David said the cripple at the gate, "Have mercy on me. That's you're the Messiah, right?" This promise goes down here in this chapter. See, David discovered that our dreams that we have for our lives are not always part of God's plan for our life. What can we take from these verses for our modern times? Sometimes God says no to our dreams and to our plans. When he does, it is not to defeat us or discourage us, although that happens a lot, especially in my world. He does it because he has something far better than we could have ever imagined planned for us. David thought that he would build a temple and that would be the end of it, and he found out that it was not God's will for him to build the temple. He also found out that God had some things planned for his future that he could have never even dreamt up on his own. Some of you have witnessed the death of your dreams. You've watched as life has altered the plans and dreams from your youth. But I think if you will take time to look at all the Lord has done through your life, you will see that he had something far better in mind for you than you could have ever dreamed up on your own. God always has the best plan because God looks through the eyes of eternity. When I say God's best, we're talking about through the eyes of eternity not a bigger house, better carpet, new car. That's not what he's talking about dreams. All right? Being fulfilled and giving you a better life here on earth. That that's not even in play. It's through eternity. Let me give you an example, a true story from Scotland years ago. A family by the name of Clark had a dream. The husband and wife with their nine children wanted to immigrate to the United States. And to make that dream a reality, they struggled, they scrimped, they saved. Finally, they managed to accumulate enough money to obtain all the paperwork they needed to take the trip and begin a brand new life in the new land. Ship reservations were made and the family was ecstatic. Then, as often happens, tragedy strikes. Seven days before they were to leave, the youngest of the children, a little boy, was bitten by a dog. Now the bite wasn't serious. The doctor stitched up the lad in no time at all and the tragedy was that the doctor also had to hang a yellow sign on the Clark's front door. The yellow sign warned everybody to stay away. There was a possibility, a very small chance, that the boy had contracted rabies from the bite of the unknown dog. Their ship was to sail in one week. The family was quarantined for two. They would have... St- They would have to stay behind as their ship and their dreams sailed into the sunset. The father, who'd been putting in so much effort and so much planning and so much hope for this new life for his family, was outraged at what he felt was the most unjust, unfair hand that he had been dealt. And he went down to the pier to stare as the ship set out, furious at God, frustrated with his son. And he cried and he cursed and he stomped in a foul mood. And he stayed that way, too, for a few days. But then only a few days after the vessel to the new promised land and his dreams had left port, he got word that on April 15th, the very ship which was to have brought him that new life had been sunk. The Titanic had gone down. And as it disappeared, it had taken with it the lives of over 1,500 passengers. Hearing that news, Mr. Clark's attitude was instantly transformed. Excitedly, enthusiastically, eagerly, he hugs his son. Plainly, powerfully, and prayerfully, he thanked his God. Their lives had been spared. Their tragedy had been turned into triumph. Some people hearing this message, and some of you in this room, have watched as your plans for life have been shattered and broken. You wondered why God would have refused to allow you to not see your dreams fulfilled. Maybe you are disappointed with the way life has turned out. Let me challenge you to look at what the Lord has done for you. You may not have gotten all you wanted out of life, but hasn't God given you so much more than you imagined? He has not saved you so that he can just let you run wild and become everything that your little heart desires. No, he saves you for your best eternity. God has saved you by your grace. Does that mean something? Has he not used your life to accomplish his will in this world? Some of you have been blessed to share in the spreading of the gospel. I don't think there's any higher honor that can be had. Some of you have been privileged to teach children who are now godly men and women. When God says no to your dreams and plans, it is because he has something far better in mind for you. And that was David's discovery. That was the experience of the disciples. They thought their dreams were shattered when Jesus died on the cross. They soon found out that God had something far better in store. Many others have had the same experience. Three Hebrew children, Elijah, Daniel, the widows in Kings 4, the widow in Luke, Naaman the leper. Oh man, if I had time, I'd put all those scriptures up there. But let's just look at Paul. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10. through 10. He says this, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. And in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It will be your experience and mine as well. The Lord always has the best plan. For what? The best plan for what? For our success, our health, our wealth, and happiness? No. The Lord's best plan will always be for His glory, for His kingdom and for our best eternity. And guess what? For those of us who are soundly saved, eternity has already started. There will never be a day where I'm not alive somewhere. Okay, on to the last point today. Point number three. The solid devotion David models for us. The solid devotion that David models for us. What was David's response to God's no? No. The closing verses reveal that his response was one of utter devotion to the Lord. I believe that these words reveal what our response should be when our dreams are shattered as well. I mean, it was humble, it was honorable, and dare I say, a holy devotion to God. Check it out. Notice what David did in verse 18. He went in and sat down before the Lord. In verse 20, like a little child, he refers to him in the third person. In verse 18, he acknowledges the fact that he was unworthy of such a blessing. And then in verses 19-22, through David praised the Lord for his blessings, his grace, and his wonderful love for his children. David, the mighty king, assumed the place of a humble child before the presence of the Lord. What an example. Even though David did not get his way in the matter, he was willing then to accept God's plan for his life. His words are filled with praise for the God he loves. Unlike some folks who pout when they don't get their way, David just praised the Lord because he trusted God to know what to do, which is best all the time and for all time. David accepts God's deal, including his promises and acknowledges God's ability to bring them to pass. Can you do that? In his prayer, David reveals a heart that is willing to accept God's plan as is, even though it's not what he originally wanted to do. The thrust of David's prayer in verses 27 through 29 is thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Do you see it? This is why David is called a man after God's own heart. What should our response be when God says no? We should first remember that we are who we are and we have what we have because of his pure, perfect grace. We should remember that he is the potter and we are but clay. Catchy little Christianese statement, hard to live out. But when the power of God comes on you and you are living it out as the clay, nothing's better. We should assume the place of a humble child before his presence and trust him to do that which is best. Let's look at the smackdown Paul gives us in Philippians 1:21. It says, For me, for to me living means. Living for Christ and dying is even better. Now most of you learned that in the King James, so let's put the King James up there because I, I don't want to miss this moment. Put it up there. King James Version. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You ever been at the de- bedside of a believer who's about to go to see Jesus, who's lived a full life? Sure, they'd like some more days with their loved ones, but death is actually A gain. Our goal in life should not be to reach our dreams. Our goal in life should be to see his perfect will carried out in our lives. There is no greater honor than being used by the Lord to bring glory to his name, even if it isn't the way we hoped it would happen. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. David was not allowed to build the Lord's temple. But he was allowed to make preparations for the fulfillment of the dream. Write this down if you want to study it later. 1 Chronicles 22, verses 1 through 19. David prepared all the materials necessary for the construction of the building. In uh, 1 Chronicles 28, 1 through 17, a little further on in the book, David gave Solomon the plans and the instructions necessary to fulfill the dream. So in the end, David was still part of seeing the dream accomplished. It did not happen as he planned it, but he still got to be part of God's plan. And that is still a dream come true, is it not? Is there anything for us to remember from this message? If Take away all of it, it's one thing, it's this. Sometimes you will not see your dreams fulfilled until you are willing to let them go forever in the hands of God. You have to be willing to adopt God's dream as your own. When that happens, you will get to see all your dreams come true. Do you have some shattered dreams in your life today? Have things not turned out as you thought that they would? Is there a measure of bitterness in your heart that you didn't get your way? Wouldn't today be a great day? To bring those shattered dreams before the Lord and let Him show you how to place those dreams in His hands and then get past the pain of God's no. Dare I say, God's big fat no. If there are issues and you'd like to come and pray to the Lord about today, this is a holy place. This is the main auditorium at Fresh Encounter Church. That's how we say it. Make no mistake, it's a sanctuary and it's a sanctuary for you. You can take what you perceive as your broken dream, and you can use it to bless your life and to bring glory and honor to his name. And when you do that, there'll be collateral benefit for many of us around you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the dreams that did not come to pass because other things that you needed us to do. Whatever it is that we're going to do, Lord, wherever it is we're going to go, however we're going to roll, we just really want it to be an offering of our dreams at the foot of the cross, and may you make it well with us as we pursue. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of my husband, Chris Danielson. BibleIdiots.com is still the website for this show, but we have grown. The new parent ministry is found at FreshRoadMedia.com. We would love to have you join us on our sister broadcast, a talk show that walks out Christian living and Bible apologetics entitled No Apology with Emily and Chris, a weekly download from FreshRoadMedia.com. Both broadcasts are listener supported, and we would love to have you join us as the Lord Leads. I'm Emily Danielson, and thank you so much for spending some time with us today, and may you see the blessings of the Lord as you go and serve your King.